0: All right, everybody, welcome back to Life in 10. This is episode 36, and we have a special, special guest joining us uh, today on this, well, I think it's Sunday today. Um, Long-time friend of mine, Mr. Clint Reed. Appreciate you joining in.
1: Hey, thanks for uh, inviting me. I'm, I'm honored.
0: Well, we've, I was actually thinking about it. I think I've, we've been friends since, I want to say like two thousand 2008, was when I was in college you were a young adult minister, and we've just been able to stay in touch this entire time so it's been uh you are have been a very much an impactful person in my life, and i 'm not just saying that because you 're on the podcast, but legit it's been uh, awesome to get to know you and your your wonderful family and you're just uh you're you're somebody who sees things in a different light, and I have always respected that,
1: so I appreciate mm. it. Thank you for, thank you for those kind words.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, last week, for the listeners, we talked a little bit about um, a boat. We're going to kind of continue on that theme um, today, just because we're in such a strange, weird time that a lot of us haven't ever been in before, and Uh, I think there's things that scripture and things that Jesus has talked about that really kind of helps us in certain times like this. Hmm. So let's just go right into the story and then there'll be lots of things I'm sure that'll come out of it. So if if you want to follow along, uh, we're in Matthew chapter eight. uh, We're going to go at verse 23. It says this, then he got into the boat and his disciples following him. So he being Jesus without warning, a furious on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So I looked at this up because I was thinking the fishermen. So basically the disciples, many of them were fishermen before they became disciples of Christ and started following. And then actually, according to what I saw, there were seven of them who were actual fishermen. Um, Seven of the 12 been through this stuff before. Right. (laughs) So, so a storm shouldn't be anything new to them. I wouldn't think. Right. Um, So my, Either it was a furious storm or they just hadn't seen it for a while. But I'm I'm curious of why they responded the way that they did.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it had to be bad enough for them, uh, for, for somebody to record them being afraid. You know, last night um, in bed around 1030, all the storms that came through and my wife and I had this thought uh, with each other of like this storm just kind of like makes everything feel worse like it already kind of feels like the world is on fire and then this storm (laughs) that, that blew through makes it feel like maybe it's going to end tonight you know um so i i wonder if there was some of that you know like waves can get so unpredictable so fast Um, If you've ever been out on on a lake or in the ocean when it when it gets tricky, I mean, it can go from zero to 60 immediately. And I wonder if that's what happened here.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's a that's a a great point. I, I think sometimes, though, it seems like when the storm hits, it's like we lose all sense of reality. It's like we forget I kind of made an analogy it's like almost like we're we're our boxer going into the ring, but when the fight starts, forget like we forget mm-hmm. all the training that we just did, and these guys being very familiar with something like this, how does it just escape their mind of what they should do in order to survive?
1: yeah, man. I love uh this thought that you're teasing out, because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot as far as the church and and Christians are concerned. What I see um, in in regard to this is that, you know, many of our pastors, many of our uh, religious leaders are online right now, and they're dispensing information. And the information that they're dispensing is in accordance with their training and the way that they have experienced hardship or the lack thereof. And so you just see multiple different ways to react to something that honestly is just unprecedented. I mean, nothing like this has ever happened. There's tons of commentary about that. But I see a lot of people uh, claiming victory when, in my opinion, there's no need to claim victory right now. And then others that are um, just on the other end of that, you know, of like despair, even though. Uh, our hope is supposed to be in this in this resurrection redemption reconciliation thing
0: that we claim as followers of, of Jesus right absolutely Um, I think one of the hardest parts that a lot of us are dealing with right now I know I am personally is it's like there's you just don't see you don't know when the end's gonna be like you don't stop like how do we handle a situation where it seems like we just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Because I think these, the, I mean, even the guys in the storms, they knew the storm was eventually going to stop. Like it wasn't going to last forever. But in our case, it's like, we're living through something where we don't have really a good understanding of, like, it could be July, it could be August, it could spark back up in the winter is now what they're talking about. Like, when is this thing going to end? And then how do we handle ourselves when we really just don't see, see a light at the end of the tunnel?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that is the million dollar question right now, I feel like. And my answer right here at the beginning is I don't know, you know, like, a yeah. Like a, a waiter who gets asked at a table, um, could you do this? And I don't know, but I'll go back and, and find the answer for you. I mean, I, that's that's where I'm at. I don't know, but yeah. I am absolutely digging and seeking and trying to find the answer. You know, you look at the Israelites in the wilderness, and there's that initial burst of like, yes, slavery. And then right. – oh my gosh, how long is this going to last? <laughs> right. um, yep. And and then you look at the disciples, uh, at even at the crucifixion, like Jesus had been telling them for many, many, many months and, and years, yep. three years, hey, it's only going to be three days. And in that three day span, they freaked out so bad, you know? Like, yes,
0: yep. <laughs> so
1: here we are in, what would this be? we were two weeks into this quarantine,
0: yeah something
1: um, like that, yeah, and so it's like, how do we navigate it? man, I'm not completely sure, and yet I feel like as Christians, we should be um we should be anchoring ourselves to that which is ancient, and yeah. um you know, the Israelites had the pillar of fire at night, and they had the the cloud by day, and there was that presence. The promise of God's presence along with them. Um, And I don't know that there were a lot of answers. So if there is a way to navigate this, it's to day by day and sometimes moment by moment, um, if you're courageous enough to keep up with the news, anchor ourselves into the fact that we believe that God has gotten people out of some serious pickles throughout history. And that he will get us out of this one one way or another. Um, now, you know, it, it may be that the world looks completely different. It may be that we see people around us uh, suffer the worst possible consequences, and yet we believe and trust not only in a in a God who gives us strength for today, but but bright hope for tomorrow, as the as the hymn goes. Right.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that we really can do i mean i'm reminded of some things read in the past and it's just like the only way to ever make progress is just to take one step at a time and that's all we can do at this point i think is well we're in today we don't necessarily know what's going to happen tomorrow so what are we going to do with today and i think we can make the most out of um you know whatever it is we're experiencing so it's whether it's showing love to other people um, I mean, helping others out. I mean, there's certain things that we can do in this moment right now and not necessarily concern ourselves of when the end's going to be. Cause if we just don't know, you don't know. Um, right. So I think in this story, there's something that's always stood out to me, um, which I just find, <laughs> I just, I don't, I've always seen, Jesus is just being a very cool character. Like he's just a, he's just way different than I think anybody ever expected him to be. But certain things that he does, and this small little line, um, in this uh, little passage says, "But Jesus was sleeping," and I don't think that that was put in there by accident. I definitely think that there is a reason that they wrote that he was sleeping during this uh, storm. I mean, what is the, I mean, I've got my thoughts, but what does that speak to you of just maybe the symbolism that he's trying to show us?
1: Yeah. You know, man, um, you know me, so, you know, I'm a musician and I've tried writing songs all all of my uh, adult life here. And I started working on this song on my way to church last week there's that passage in scripture that talks about, you know, oh, sleeper rise, you know, yep. from from your grave or whatever. And and <clears throat> I wanted to write a chorus about, oh, sleeper, take time to rest before yeah. you rise, because I think that we all of us are just with your question before this question. When's this going to end? And we're already looking to w- what we're going to do when this ends. And yet yeah. there's so much living to be done in this period when we are essentially being forced to rest, to slow yeah. down, to contemplate our mortality, to contemplate our loss of control, our finiteness, right? That's what Lent is all, all about. And so I think we see over and over again these um, pictures. And and so I think this is a, probably a historically accurate event, the, the boat and Jesus sleeping, But it is such a strong statement from God of um, there are times where you simply have to rest in the fact that you are not in control. And what's so difficult for us in 2020 in the shadow of a pandemic is that as Americans, we are and as capitalists, we are productive. We work. That is our identity. And we are being forced to figure out how to do that in the comfort of our own homes. And I wonder if God's invitation is, man, it's time to rest for a little bit. You know, it's time to stay inside and think about who you are. Think about what your values are. Think about what your life is about. Um, And so I think that the invitation for Jesus from Jesus in this story is, hey, sleeper, take time to rest before you rise up. And we'll come out of our house blinking in the sunlight at some point. But for now, we rest and we contemplate who God is and what our life is about. That's what I'm getting out of it.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it too, we've seen it and you've probably seen it even within your family. But this has caused people to place priorities where they should be they started to realize that, you know, maybe work and being at work is not as important as I've placed it in my life because I can't, I I can't uh, be around certain people that maybe, you know, might be infected or whatever. And I'm going to be at home spending time with my family, spending time with people that I love. I'm checking up now on people that I haven't talked to for a while, just seeing how they're doing. Um, You know, I've even had the opportunity to buy groceries for people who, you know, didn't necessarily have the money to do so. So it's like it's putting things back into perspective of what actually matters, because I think sometimes we just get so caught up in our um, just ways of doing things that we don't realize that. Well, um, you know, some of the things we place as priorities really maybe shouldn't be at the top of the list as much as they are and as much as we place them. Um, So. I, I mean, I love, I love everything that you just said. That was uh, Jesus being asleep during something that was causing mass hysteria on a boat is just symbolic of what he should be, of what, of way we should be um, going through something like this. Um,
1: yeah. And, and sto- can I just interject yeah. real quick, Isaac? Yeah. Um, If you fast forward then to the cross, now we don't know exactly what happened in the three days between the cross and the resurrection. But even then, a lot of theologians uh, suggest that there was some sort of sleep. There was some sort of soul sleep. Now, maybe he went down to hell and yanked the keys out of Satan's hand. I really like that story. I don't know if I totally believe in it. But there's this (laughs) idea of sleeping between the cross and resurrection, even in death. Even in death. So a lot of us are like really shook up because there's more than anecdotal uh, stories to suggest that people our age who are healthy get this thing and they go downhill fast and and maybe even die. And yet even in death. So if I allow my mind to go to the worst case scenario, even in death, even in that type of sleep, resurrection promises that God will calm even that storm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. The story takes a weird turn when it says Jesus was sleeping. So the disciples, uh, they go and they wake him up and they say something. They say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And in some cases they say, like, there was an actual version that I've noticed that said, Lord, don't you even care that we are about to drown? If if you see the response at the end where they said the men were amazed that he calmed the storm when they went to wake him up, what exactly did they even expect him to do? If they didn't know that he could calm the storm. It's like, it's almost like the old phrase of like misery loves company. Did they just want him to wake up so that they, he could panic with them. You see, you see where I'm going with that.
1: Sure. You know, I think it goes back to where we were with the storm. Like there's something about, um, probably this storm in particular, that had experienced fishermen, experienced uh, naval uh, people worried enough to go and wake this dude up and be like, he's our, he's literally our only hope. Um, You know, there's that line in um, the Broadway play Hamilton where Hamilton's son has just died and He's he's walking through um, the the streets and he he sees the sign of the cross at the door and he prays that never used to happen before. That's the line. And I pray that never used to happen before. Yeah. I think that for those of us who pray, our prayers don't feel like or at least we um it feels like they're going through the roof. It doesn't feel like they're bouncing back, right? I mean, there right. is a there's a vigor and there is a an intensity and there is a desire and there's a palatable like emotional connection that we have to our prayers right now because it's like God, get us out of this storm. Get us yeah. out of this mess that we're in. Right. And I have to think that that's what the disciples were feeling. Yeah. Uh wake up Jesus he's our only hope, you know? And so it's like, not that God is sleeping, but <laughs> Jesus wake up if you are sleeping, because really you're our only hope. And honestly, I think that we're at the, we are at the tip, uh, the the beginning of, of this. Yeah. And we're going to, our prayers are going to follow those lines. I, I, this is a great story for, for where we are right now.
0: Right. And I think we, t- I talked about it uh, for listeners that listened last week, but how often does Jesus, uh, does God just pull us out of situations, and without us learning something while going through it? Um, I'm not, I'm not an advocate that to to say. I mean, I've heard people say God caused this to happen so that we can learn something from it. I'm not uh, opposing or saying that that's happening because I certainly don't think that's the direction. I mean, he could a lot, of, he could do a lot of different things besides this in order to open our eyes. But the fact that it's here. Well, that means there's something that we can learn from it and we can grow and become better. And hopefully we walk out of this a better country, a better group of people, a better community, a better family um, going through something like this together, all moving the same direction. Because it seems like we haven't been moving the same direction for a long time.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Now, Jesus's response was... uh, not i think even remotely what they were thinking he was going to say and i mean if you look at it in the story and he he says this it's like well that's an odd way to respond he replied you of little faith why are you so afraid now this poses a couple questions one's really tough to answer but i'm gonna we'll start with the first one first if the book would it have been a faith issue Hmm. <laughs>
1: oh Isaac that
0: is a good question because um, isn't that somewhat what he's implying if you have little faith faith in what that guy was going to get them through the storm that the boat like faith in the boat that it was going to stay afloat like there's a lot why did he go that direction Um, is, is where I've been thinking quite a bit on this
1: yeah you know, I, I wonder, I think that what we do is that we read tone so often into the words of Jesus. Yeah. You know, was he, ang- was he angry when he said it? Right. Um, was it just a statement for a bunch of young kids, basically? You know, like, hey, guys, you're young and your faith needs some improvement. Um, yeah. Not improvement. I don't even want to put labels like that on it. You guys are young. Um, these things are going to happen. And these are the times that your faith is strengthened. You've right. just got a little bit, and one day you'll have a lot. You know, I think we read tone into it. I think that there's a bunch of different ways. This is what I love about the scriptures. There's a bunch of different ways that we can read that statement. And so, again, I do not know. Um, that is a great question. And I think that whoever's listening to this and maybe even going back and reading those stories, it's very important for you to place yourself in. Um, that story, almost like some of this Saint Ignatian contemplation stuff. Like, what do you hear when right. Jesus says that? Right. Um, yeah, there's a spectrum.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that brings up this kind of tougher question that I, when I wrote it, I don't necessarily... Wow,
1: tougher than that one. Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't even really want to ask it because I feel like it takes us a, a certain way and it's a very much a... Uh, it's just tough. It's a tough one to really think about. But let's say that uh, tomorrow I go to work and somebody hands like I, I get that virus and and my body just doesn't react well to it. And I end up passing away with the way that this is worded is is it because I I didn't have enough faith and that's why my end result was the way that it was.
1: Yeah, so I'll just speak for me, Clint Reed, and not on behalf of uh, the multiple kind of voices that are coming from our church leaders or from yeah. from Christianity um i would say unequivocally no um it may have been your blood type it may have been uh pre-existing issues that you didn't know about right. it may have been that for some reason your nose hairs didn't clean the virus off the way that they did for other people <laughs> right. you know right. I, I just or, or there's not a ventilator I, on and on and on there's so many other physical things that could happen And so I I think that the message for me is that some of us may not make this, make, make it out of this. And we may know some people that didn't make it out of this. And yet I think that there is, if there's anything for those of us who are left behind, it's not to question whether or not this or that person had enough faith, but it is the idea of learning to grieve with those who grieve, learning to mourn with those who mourn and learning, um, how precious each and every human life is yes um that i think is the bigger thing than who has this much faith or or that much faith i i just man i am the older and older i get the more and more i trend toward oh gosh i hate saying this not universalism but like god loves the 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 person over in Iran who is a Muslim just as much as he loves this American Christian, right. you know, being an American Christian doesn't inoculate me from this virus, right? Um, and so, uh, faith, I I just for me, absolutely not. I don't think that that's a yeah. I don't think that that's a helpful way to frame it, right. as far as I'm concerned,
0: right? And I I think, and this is kind of the direction I, my mind was going. When I, when I posed this question and just kind of, because I had to think about it myself of, well, what does that look like? Because I've heard all kinds of stuff and I definitely grew up in a church that would uh, maybe lean that direction. But um, I think we've misinterpreted God's will uh, many times and we assume that God's will is in every aspect of our lives of, well, it's God's will if I get the job or not, or if it's God's will that I marry this person, or it's God's will that I move this this uh, to this state and do this. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that God's will is just the basics of how he wants you to live your life, not necessarily what you do. So it's like, for example, I would say like, Um, it's not necessarily God's will that you have a specific job, but it's his will that you do that job to the best of your ability. And you love people that you're working with and you show grace and you show mercy and you show compassion. I think that's where the will comes in Um, because so it's not God's will that we perish or it's God's will that we receive some type of disease so we can learn something, but it's what we do to respond to what we're going through.
1: Yeah. I mean I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking about um, what is it, the passage in James. Don't don't say you're gonna go to this city or or that city or make this much money or, you know, you don't know what tomorrow may bring. Right. our lives are amiss. There's that other passage from Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, where he says, hey, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. Yeah. You know, yep. It's the Lord who judges me, ultimately. And so I think that we get really, really sideways, and we have the potential to be very divisive yeah. when we start uh, trying to say that this is God's will or this is, well, this is what God is doing or God caused this or Satan caused this. Like, man, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know where we're finite where we're, you know, our, our call is to, to the best of our ability, listen to the voice of God and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And right. um, if we could get back to that simple messaging, I think that it would unify us a bit more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of end this, um, the story um, we see that when Jesus replies, he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? I felt like there's just there's definitely a connection between faith and fear based off of what he's saying. So it's almost like the more faith that we have that God's going to get us through, even though the fear is present and it's there. Um, it's like we feel more confident that we actually are going to make it. But then we have to reverse that, I think, and see a little bit of, well, when our f- our faith is, is struggling. Maybe it's in a weaker stance. Um, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but, but, fear tends to rise and we tend to think about that more than, than the faith that we're supposed to have this confidence in. I don't know what your thoughts on are, but it definitely seems like there's a, definitely a connection between faith and fear with the way that Jesus is talking right now.
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's good. I, my thought has been the doubts and the fears and the worries and the anxieties that we have in something like this, which again is unprecedented. Uh, the closest thing would be 1918 F- Spanish flu, right? right. We, d- we, we weren't alive during that time. Right. Um, and they're not sinful, right? right? Being fearful, being anxious, being, uh, doubtful, having questions. I, I think that we need to take the label of the temptation to these things or this, these are sinful. We need to take those labels off of those yeah. emotions right. and those very real things that we all experience during this time. Right, And we need to uh, trust in our Savior and our God. Um, so yeah. – man, I think that fear and faith are going to ping pong back and forth. And to the degree that we can get that out of our heads by journaling or talking or praying or meditating or whatever it is, right. These spiritual practices, we practice them like we practice shooting a basketball. Um, These increase our faith while we are able to hold on to the fears and the, and the, and and the anxieties and the doubts, you know? Yeah. Um, that scale is tipping back and forth, but I think both of them need to be present.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we see at the end of the story, I mean, obviously Jesus calms the storm, um, and they were amazed and said, even the winds and the waves obey him. So as we've talked about before to kind of wrap this up and listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this as much as I have, because this has been an amazing conversation, but Um, we don't know how this is all going to end. We don't necessarily know when it's going to end. We don't know, you know, there's still things in limbo. And I think that's one of the hardest things about life is when it's the unknowns, we just don't know. Um, but we can see throughout scripture, we can see throughout our lives, things that we've experienced that God has continued to come through and, and it's not, he's not going to stop now just because we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before. Um, I mean, he's, he's just as much God as he was before. So I think it's just holding on to his word, holding on to him and saying, you know what, we're going to ride this thing out together. And I think that's, that's right now. It is the best that we can do, and it is more than enough of what we can do. Clint, I don't know if you want to share some last thoughts of uh, to the listeners of what, how they can continue to press on through this through these times.
1: Uh, I I just want to echo what you just said. I think that word "together" is so crucial. Yeah. Um, so to the degree that we can, you know, unity isn't uniformity, and unity right. doesn't even mean not fighting. Um, I think that we're all going to react differently. We're all going. Uh, we're all going to grieve through this in different ways. I think that that's one, one of my calls for Christians to slow down and grieve, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Like all of us are going to be going through cyclically this cycle um, during this time. Yeah. And to the degree that we can do it together in as much unity as possible, I think we'll emerge as a, as a stronger capital C church uh, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Absolutely.
0: Well, hey, Clint, I greatly appreciate uh, you joining. This was a, a, a just an awesome conversation and your thoughts. I appreciate your thoughts, and I know the listeners will as well. So again, thanks so much for, for joining us.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you, Isaac. You're doing good work with this podcast, man. Keep
0: going. Absolutely. Well, uh, guys, don't forget, um, this comes out every Sunday, but um, never forget that you are uh, absolutely loved, and you are highly valued. And uh, we will talk to you next week.